Thank you for listening to the Grace Chapel Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker, Rod Hall. For more information about our church, visit our website at gracechapel.cc or follow us on social media at Grace Chapel, Ohio. All right, Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 1, we read the following. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. So that sets the stage right there. Moses has just died, okay? And in the book of Deuteronomy, which was one book before, we see Moses commissioning Joshua to take over once he is gone. Verse 2 says, Moses, my servant, is dead. So this is God talking to Joshua. He's saying, look, Joshua, Moses is dead. My servant is dead. Now, he's not telling Joshua something that Joshua doesn't already know. But what he's doing, he's setting the stage here, saying, okay, it's your turn. And by the way, I think it's a message for us that, look, a lot of times organizations and churches and whatever, we kind of freak out when the man moves on, or what we consider to be key people are taken away, or perhaps they have to move out of, out of state or whatever. God just says, next. Okay, and that's what he's doing here. He says, look, my servant Moses is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, and into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. So Joshua has, he's got big sandals to fill. He was following the footsteps of the greatest leader that the Israelites had ever known. Moses had an incredible, uncommon communion with the Lord. And God had equipped Moses to accomplish incredible tasks. You think about just the the confrontation with Pharaoh and the plagues that followed. You think about the exodus out of Egypt. You think about the parting of the Red Sea. The people knew the signs and wonders that God worked through their leader Moses, in Egypt and after the Exodus. And no prophet had taken prominence in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. And no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. And Joshua knew that. And I have to imagine that Joshua is wondering Am I up to the task? You know, when I started teaching at Louisville High School 30 years ago, I followed in the footsteps of just an incredible, incredible communicator and teacher of the Spanish language, a guy who was just dedicated to the core, who did, he, he, he was way ahead of his time. And it was intimidating. It was like the man is gone, and now I have to come in here, a rookie teacher, Follow this guy who's been here for 35 years. It, it, it makes you shake a little bit. Now, I'm wondering if, if Joshua had those same feelings. Moses, my servant, is dead, Joshua. Now it's your turn. Take these people across the Jordan and into the promised land. Verse 3 continues the story. It says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given to you. Now notice the verb tense there. I have given to you. God's saying, look, this is the done deal. You don't need to worry about anything. I've already promised this to you. I've 
done it. I've given it to you, just as I promised to Moses. Verse 4, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. So God's using two different tenses here. He says, one, I've already done it, Joshua. I've given this land to you and to the people. Then he goes to the future tense and says, this shall be your territory. And so God is saying, look, I've already deemed it. I've already commanded it. It's going to happen. You just need to be the person that's in, in place to see it through now. And, and that, to me, that's a lesson for me, that God's will has already been established. God knows what he's going to do. His will will happen. We will see it happen. The question is, do I and do you want to be on board with what God is doing? I am no longer satisfied with just sitting on the sidelines watching things happen. I want to get in there. I want to be in the game. I want God to use me, and I know that you are feeling the same way. God is installing Joshua to the same position as Moses, and in order to be the man, Joshua would need incredible strength and courage to follow in the footsteps of Moses. So listen to what God says to him. God's now going to encourage Joshua. Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you. Again, the future tense. He said, look, it's not going to happen. Nobody can stand before you. You're going to be the one. Nobody's going to take you down. All the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Joshua had an important task. He he wasn't a politician. He was a warrior. He wasn't polished or eloquent, but he had this going for him. God commissioned him for the job. And when the Lord calls his people, he gives them what they need. The Lord called Joshua, and he promised him, said, look, nobody's going to stand in your way. I'm going to go before you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to abandon you. No matter how hard times might get, no matter how much the people might grumble, no matter how big your enemies might be, I will always be there with you. And he goes on to say in verse 6, it says, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 7, Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. So be strong and very courageous. The three times we're going to see these encouragement, these encouraging words from the Lord to Joshua. It echoes the words of Moses in Deuteronomy 31, when Joshua is commissioned by Moses to lead the Israelites across the Jordan River and into the promised land. Now listen, it's not because God is forgetful that he repeats himself like this. It's not because Joshua was hard of hearing. The reason God told Joshua three times to be strong and courageous is because nothing, nothing worthwhile in life will ever happen without courage. Nothing that I take on in my life Nothing that you take on in your life is ever going to be worthwhile if it doesn't take courage to do. It takes courage to parent. It takes courage to work. It takes courage to 
to, to be that witness that God has called us to be. And nothing in your ministry and nothing in my ministry will ever take place apart from courage. Nothing. And so God tells Joshua three times in these nine verses, saying, look, be strong, be courageous, I am with you. Joshua's leadership would have been paralyzed without courage, and our ministry also will be paralyzed without that courage. You know, odds are we're not going to hear God's booming voice speaking to us and saying, Rod, be strong and courageous. I don't think I'm going to hear that audibly, but we do have his word that he uses to speak to us. And whereas Joshua, he only had the first five books of the Bible, we're equipped with all 66 books, Old Testament and New. And God still speaks to us today through his word. This is his primary instrument for speaking to us. It's through his Holy Spirit. It's through godly wise counsel of other mature believers. Do I believe that God still speaks today? Firmly, without a doubt. He uses his instruments, primarily his word. He uses his Holy Spirit to nudge us and talk to us and bring back to our memory all that we have been taught. He he uses the godly counsel of, of wise people. And today we're going to focus on God's written word and why it is so vital to our lives and to our ministries that we allow God to speak to us through Scripture. Now, something I don't do very often, but I'm going to do today, is have some audience participation. We're going to see Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 on the screen, and there's a, a method to my madness here. But I'm going to invite you, invite you to read this along with me off of the screen or off of your, your, your Bibles there. I'll start off and everybody join in. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Awesome. God is addressing Joshua because Israel's leader, Moses, has died. We saw that in verse 1. The mantle of leadership is being passed to this new leader, and Joshua is called to cross the Jordan into the promised land. It's going to be filled with adversaries, pagan idolatry, temptations, warfare, all kinds of stuff. So what does God tell Joshua that he must do? Does he tell him, hey, make sure your, your soldiers are out there doing push-ups and jumping jacks. Make sure they're, they're, they're in shape. Uh, make sure everybody sharpens their sword. Make sure their spears are, are tipped and ready to go. Make sure all your provisions are there. Does he, is that what he tells Joshua? No. He, God tells Joshua to make sure that the sword of the word of God is to be his focus. And he will provide all that he needs in order to assure success. So step number one, or our first point this, uh, this morning to fill in your outline is this. We need to proclaim the truth. We need to proclaim the truth. <clears throat> Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Now, one of the greatest weaknesses in today's church, in my opinion, is a staggering lack of intimate knowledge and time spent in the reading and studying of God's word. Now listen, this, this message is going to have two effects today. One, 
There, I know there are many saints here who you're, you're digging into God's word every day. And, and this message is going to encourage you. This message is going to be like, yeah, good job. Keep it up. Keep going. And then there's probably some people here who are like, you know, I, I read God's word once in a while, but I'm just not in it enough. I'm really not studying enough. And, and hopefully this message is going to be, you know, one of exhortation and encouragement to say, hey, there, there is great benefit. We need to be in God's word. And what I, I, the tightrope that I walk is this. I, I don't want this to be a legalistic approach. I want it to be an approach of, of love, that we develop a love for God's word. Uh, it's been told to me, it's kind of like moving from duty to delight. Sometimes we think, oh, I got to read God's word. I know I need to do it. I better get to it right now or I'll never get done today. That's, that's a sense of duty. But I am convinced that the more you're in God's word and the more you're studying it and the more you're meditating on it, that sense of duty is going to move to a sense of delight. And that's what I hope my encouragement for you this morning is, it, it certainly is. What's the result of this lack of intimate knowledge and time spent in reading and studying God's word throughout our country? Well, it's a slow disintegration of biblical truth as understood from the Holy Spirit-inspired, authoritative, inerrant Word of God. So I did a little bit of research, got on LifeWay's uh, website, and I found this out. So a recent LifeWay research study found only 45% of those who regularly attend church read their Bible more than once a week. Over 40% of the people attending read their Bible occasionally, maybe once or twice a month. Almost one in five churchgoers, 20%, read the Bible, essentially the same number who read it every day. We need to move from duty to delight because what happens is our lack of biblical literacy has led to a lack of biblical doctrine. This research found out that while 67% of Americans believe that heaven is a real place, 45% believe that there are many ways to get there, including one in five evangelical Christians. So the words of Jesus Christ, I am the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father but by me, that goes right over the head of four out of five people. More than half of evangelicals believe the Holy Spirit is a force and not a personal being, in contrast to the orthodox biblical teaching of the Trinity being three persons in one God. As a whole, Americans, including many Christians, hold unbiblical views on hell, sin, salvation, Jesus, humanity, and the Bible itself. If we don't know God's word, we're not going to know God's truth. In contrast, most Christians desire to become more mature followers of Christ. Lifeway Research found 90% of churchgoers desire to please and honor Jesus in all that they do. Almost 60% agree with the following statements. Throughout the day, I find myself thinking about biblical truths. It's striking that while most of us desire to please Jesus, to know more of the biblical truth, few of us take the time to read the Bible to find out if we are actually doing it. 
clearly there is a disconnect between our desires and our actions. Americans treat reading the Bible a little bit like exercise. They know it's important. They know it's helpful. They know it's vital. They just don't do it. And we all know January and February, the health clubs, the fitness centers see a spike in enrollment. Come May, June, July, they're back to their normal numbers. I would say probably a lot of us make that that self-awareness, that resolution, if you call it, to get into God's word more, and, and, and we start off the year with a bang and fizzle off. So what we're looking at here this morning is God's directive to Joshua is also God's directive to us. Do not let the word, the book of the law, depart from our mouth. How can we reverse this trend? I believe we need a a sense of urgency. We need a sense of dependence. We need to realize that the power of God's word in our lives and the absolutely debilitating effect that results when we ignore scripture. If, if we want God's word active and living in our lives, we have to be in God's word. But when we're away from it, the effect is one of weakness. Listen to the following from the book of Deuteronomy. This is early in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses uh, 6 through 9. It'll be on the screen. It says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That is prioritizing. That is commitment. You know, I encourage my students when they're learning new vocabulary words, to label things throughout their house with sticky notes in Spanish so they can start to learn different things. You know, what we're seeing here is we're being commanded to permeate everything that you do. Let everything that you do be centered around the learning of God's word. Teach your children. So teach them diligently. Talk to your children about Scripture. Let them know that it's important to you. Prioritizing, commitment. And when Moses wrote these words, he knew that the only way for the Israelites to successfully transition to the promised land was to have a firm foundation in Scripture. And likewise, the only way that we are going to firmly transition into what God would have us to do is not only as, uh, as individual believers, but as a corporate body of Christ, is to have a firm foundation in Scripture, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Now, this does not mean that you are to keep the word of God in your mouth, but rather you are to speak it out of your mouth. It should not be away from your lips at any time, continually be speaking it. You know, we've got plenty to say about everything else under the sun. We need to be also speaking God's truth. And we all know that the Bible tells us to always, always, always be prepared for an explanation of the hope that you have in Jesus Christ and to do it gently, not obnoxiously. Going again, back to our verse. And again, you guys did a great job the first time. We're going to do this three more times. Please join me in the reading 
of Joshua 1.8 another time. Here we go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Fill this in, point number two this morning. We are to possess the truth. We're to proclaim the truth, and we're to possess the truth. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. The Hebrew word for meditate used here is the word transliterated, haga. It's used 24 times in the Old Testament. It can be translated as roar, growl, groan, utter, speak, meditate, devise, muse, imagine. And the basic meaning of Haggah conveys a low sound as in a sigh or a muttering. In other words, we're being exhorted here. We're being encouraged to read God's word out loud. There's something about speaking God's word out loud. And another word that comes to mind when we think of meditating is this idea of ruminating. We have a great illustration in nature. When a cow is eating, the metabolism in that physical body of the cow, what is to the metabolism, what is, uh, what metabolism is to the physical body of the cow, meditation is to a Christ follower's mental and spiritual life. Well, what am I talking about? While we know that a cow has four distinct compartments in his stomach, it needs these to break down the tough and coarse food that it eats. When a cow first eats, it chews up whatever the food is, just enough to swallow it. The unchewed food travels to the rumen and the reticulum, where it's stored until later. The rumen is like a large fermentation vat. It contains bacteria that digest the cow's food and converts it into energy and protein. This softened food is called the cud, and it is sent back up into the cow's mouth, where it is rechewed before going back down into the stomach to be fully digested. And so when it comes to digesting God's word, we are to go over and over God's truth in our minds to to deepen its impression on us and to set it in our hearts. This is what God commanded Joshua to do day and night, and it is still a great directive for you and for me. Just like that cow chews Swallows, brings it up, chews, swallows, brings up, chews, swallows. That cow is getting every single bit of nourishment that it can out of that food because it goes over it and over it and over it. We need to do the same thing with God's word. We need to not just read it, not just click on, you know, I've got the, the app on my, on my phone, not just click on it and read a chapter and say, okay, I'm done. No, we need to, we need to haga. We need to speak it out loud to ourselves in a a low sound, even a muttering, as it says. We need to go over it and over it and over it. And I'm not talking about some mindless drone of a a mantra, of something that makes no sense, of some kind of a chant over and over. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about seriously asking the Holy Spirit to teach us, seriously reading what God's Word says, allowing it, allowing ourselves to get every single bit of nourishment for our soul out of it. 
The reason that we can proclaim the word is because we possess it. It's stored up inside of us. It's kind of like that ambient sound that surrounds us from in our day-to-day life. And when problems arise, we can just turn up that sound of, of God speaking to us through his word when we memorize it. And allow that to drown out the tension. Let it blot out the worry. Let it smother out the problems that keep stealing our joy. When we just quickly read a passage for the sense of getting it done, it doesn't stick. It's like this, this, it's like what David Jeremiah says in this quote. David Jeremiah says, reading the Bible without meditating on it is like eating without chewing. And when we eat without chewing, we know that digestive process that starts in our mouth with our, our saliva. And when we break it down into more and more surface area, then our stomach and our intestines get, get more and more nutrition out of it. It's the same thing. Reading the Bible without meditating on it is like eating without chewing. Followers of Jesus Christ need to master the word of God for the health and sake of our souls, our families, our ministries, our church, and we need to submerge ourselves in the book. We need to fall in love with God's word again. We need to make it an integral, inextricable part of our life. Remember the words of the psalmist in in chapter 119, where he says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How do you fight temptation? How do you fight sin? David tells us here in the Psalms, look, memorize it. We all have life weaknesses. We all have those life issues where we're weak. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's a temptation to steal. Uh, maybe it's a temptation to uh, be lazy at work. Maybe, maybe it's uh, a temptation to fall into some kind of a moral sin. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Find verses that speak to that life situation where you tend to be weak. Memorize those verses. Draw them out like a sword. Defend yourself when Satan attacks. Okay, I'm going to call on you again. You guys ready? Got your voice boxes limbered up here. Here we go. Joshua 1.8, all together. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Our third and final point this morning is this. We are to proclaim the truth, we are to possess the truth, and we are to persist in the truth, so that you may be careful to do, to do, to do according to all, all, all that is written in it. As followers of Jesus Christ, our integrity is everything. When our walk doesn't align itself with our talk, when hypocrisy is no longer hyperbole, then the fruitfulness of our ministry suffers. The psalmist, once again, the very first chapter of his book, we read the following. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, 
nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Now, it's not saying that we are to join a monastery and to completely avoid the world. That's impossible. But it's saying, don't act like those people. We saw that last week. But his delight, verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He meditates. He meditates. He haga. He utters it. He speaks it. He goes over it. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does he prospers. There is absolutely no victory or chance for us to experience the blessings of our new life in Christ apart from the word of God. Whenever any believer begins to turn away from the word through indifference or apathy or whatever reason, he is turning away from the Lord and into defeat. I love this next quote also. This is from Dr. Crawford Luritz Jr. I, I heard a message he spoke same passage, but he went in a completely different direction. He talked about the whole idea of, of being uh, uh, courageous and, and not being afraid. But listen to this quote. He says this, success or failure of your mission is tied to your relationship to truth. In other words, if I know God's word, if I am in God's word, if I am meditating on God's word day and night, if I am haga, uttering his word, going over it, bringing it back up, chewing it up some more, bringing it back down, then my relationship to truth is going to be strong and it is going to help me be successful in whatever mission God calls me to. The inverse is true, of course. If I ignore God's word, if I wing it, if I think I can go on my own, then my relationship to the truth is going to be very weak in my instance of failure, is going to be very great. All right, you got one more in you? Here we go, one more time. Last time today, Joshua chapter one, verse eight, here we go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. God doesn't say that he is going to make our way prosperous. He doesn't say he's going to give us success. Instead, the implication here is that our success is tied to how closely we are tied to the truth of God's word. We cannot ignore God's word and expect to know what is truth. We cannot expect our ministry to be successful when we don't know truth. It's one of the most naive expectations that a follower of Jesus Christ can have to go through life expecting to live victoriously when we are absent from the truth that is found in Scripture. Joshua 1.9, the last verse in this passage, says the following, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. There's a third time we see that. Do not be frightened, do not, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know, as a coach, as a teacher, as a father, as a husband, there have been times that I've had to reassure 
an athlete, a, a student, a, a child of mine, my wife even, that, that everything is under God's authority and that we need to be strong and courageous because God will not leave us. He will not forsake us. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I can imagine sometimes God looks down at me and he says, oh, Rod, do you really think I'm not going to go through that trial with you? Do you really think I'm not going to be there for you when you have to deal with that issue? Stop worrying. Things are not out of control. I will not leave you. I will be with you wherever you go. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. Be strong. Be courageous. Maybe you saw what I was doing there with reading out loud those ver- that verse four times. I wanted to just simply model and illustrate what I've been talking about. Chew up that verse. Bring it up again. Chew it up some more. Bring it up again. Chew it up some more. Say it out loud. Invite God to allow that verse to permeate, to instruct us. We need, now more than ever, a word from God. And the only way we can get a word from God is to be in the word of God. Come to church on Sundays. Listen, Pastor Kurt is rabidly committed to preaching the truth of God's word. I don't know if I've ever met anybody more passionate to dig into God's word and to reveal to us than our pastor. Yeah, give, give him a round of applause. Do you know how uncommon that is in today's world? We have churches all across the country that are nothing more than social clubs patting everyone on the back saying, yeah, God loves you, feel good about it. I know churches where they're not even allowed to use the word born again. Make every effort to be here on Sunday. Listen to what God is saying to you through the preaching of his word. Dive into the scripture throughout the week. Meditate on it. Chew on it. Bring it up over and over. Allow it to permeate every fiber of your being. Courage is anchored by the word of God. Then you can hear God say to you, be strong and courageous. The final words of verse 9, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That is a promise. But listen to me. That's a promise for, for those of us who have asked Jesus Christ into our lives and we have turned over our lives to Jesus and said, I need you as a Savior. I need you as the Lord. That's, God is talking to those of us who, who have promised our lives to Christ and he gives us that promise My desire is that for everyone here this morning to be able to partake in that promise, but you can only do that if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so as I close in prayer this morning, I want you to consider, chew it up, swallow it, bring it back up again, chew it up some more, say it out loud. Proclaim God's truth, possess God's truth, persist in God's truth.
Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more sermons like this, visit us online at gracechapel.cc.